Welcome to Greater L.A. from KCRW, the show that connects you to the people and places of Southern California. Hey, I'm Steve Giotakis. Happy Valentine's Day. Let's get married. Oh, my God. Did I just propose to you? All right, let's slow it down a little. We just met. Maybe go over and watch some other lovebirds tie the knot. Come together. Face each other. Look each other in the eyes. Come a little closer. She's not going to bite. Today, in Long Beach, all day, every 30 minutes, at the cute little wedding chapel, yeah, that's really what it's called, folks are getting hitched. Now, this chapel is not your grandma's church. They're a for-profit wedding space, and they're running a special today. 14 bucks for a wedding ceremony, all in the name of St. Valentine. KCRW's Juliana Mayo has been posted at the chapel all day, talking to folks who have been taking the plunge. Hi, Juliana. Hi, Steve Chiatakis. So tell us a little bit about the scene. I mean, how, how have the weddings been going so far? I'm not going to lie. It's been a little rowdy, more rowdy than I expected. Um, they're taking about five to ten minutes each. They're really churning through the ceremonies. And they're all being overseen by self-proclaimed celebrity wedding officiant, Alan Katz, who is larger than life and decked out in a red blazer with white hearts and a matching tie, kind of holding court. I always thought Valentine's Day was the biggest ripoff day of all days, filled with love. And I said, you know what? We're so successful that we decided that on Valentine's Day where everybody was jacking things up, that we would do just the opposite. He's not kidding. It's kind of a screaming deal. Normally, a ceremony here costs almost 400 bucks, and today, 14. Yeah, I mean, that's a deal, especially considering you could get married somewhere else and it could cost a whole lot more than even 400 bucks. So so they've been, they've been doing this for a few years. D- does it seem like the folks getting married today are, are in it for the deal, or maybe there's a little romance here? What's going on? It's kind of a little bit of both and then some other fun factors, but for sure everyone mentioned the $14. Here's Shaz Shakat and Barbara Stone. A little bit of both. both. It's the Valentine's Day, and then Alan sweetened the deal with the $14 special, so I think we're uh, we're pretty happy about it. It just made sense, yeah. (laughs) And I mean, here's Alan's take on it. Valentine's Day is is an easy day to remember. You can't forget Valentine's Day. Um, It's a great day to get married. But the $14 deal helps. But the $14 deal really just came because of my love for this business and wanting to give back. Juliana, so there you are. People are getting married. But this is not only an occasion for, you know, for the two soon-to-be spouses, but also for, for their families as well. Are they coming with family and friends? It's interesting. It's pretty varied. Um, The first couple that I saw today came by themselves and they said that they had another wedding planned and that this was just something for them. Uh, And then they were going back to work. But Kurt Heeren and Yana Gunt came up from Redondo Beach in a stretch limo with their giant pups. (laughs) And they dressed them up in a tutu and a top hat. (laughs) They were surprisingly well behaved. Not a lot of uh, barking. And also in the limo were some of their chosen family. Her family can't be here, so I'm like the American mom and the American dad, and that's why nobody are really here in family, so that's, and we called, and we saw, I saw this wedding chapel, and I thought it was a fun thing, just to make fun, the $14, 
And so that's why we called. And then we ended up here. We live in Redondo. So then to make it fun, we took a limo and make it a little special day. Other folks came with their family. Bride Katie Reitberg had a big wedding planned, and then she got pregnant. She's due in just four months. She brought her mom along, Julia Urbanski. I'm happy. I'm excited for her. Of course, this is my only child, so... um and then it's going to be my first grandbaby too. So it's so super excited and um, just happy for them. I think they're a great couple. They've lived together for four years almost now. So like they've gone through it, you know, and um, realized yeah, it's still going to work out. So I'm happy for them. I'm excited to see my grandbaby the most. So. <laughs> <laughs> mm. Steve, her daughter Katie, and her now husband, Dominic Redwater, have been together since high school, and they had such a sweet story. Aww. They actually met at a party. Yeah. So he came in with his friends and sat at the top of these stairs, and I was sitting on a chair at the bottom of the stairs, and I hear this really deep voice, and it just grabs my attention, and I look up, and I'm like, wow, he's really cute. Um, and so I kind of started chasing him around the party, <laughs> and I ended up getting his number, and... Is history. <laughs> I don't know. I just thought she was really beautiful. I, I think she looks good. I love her uh, beauty mark. <laughs> Everything about her. <laughs> <laughs> that is a sweet story. KCRW's Juliana Mayo. Juliana, thanks so much for bringing us all this Valentine's Day fun, and congratulations to everybody who, who got married today on this Valentine's Day. Thanks, Steve. It was a pleasure. I will be sure to pass your good wishes on to all of the brides and grooms today. Just so you know, this is the kiss she will always remember. Every Valentine's Day, she'll remember the kiss that you gave her today. <laughs> so are you ready to give her that special Valentine's wedding kiss? Yes. <laughs> are you ready to receive that Valentine's wedding kiss? Are you ready to watch that Valentine's yes. wedding kiss? Yes. Well, then the, by the power vested to me on Valentine's Day, I now pronounce you. Get those lips ready. <laughs> Husband and wife, you may kiss your bride. One more kiss. Oh, that's so sweet. If you'd like to see some images, by the way, from today's weddings, head on over to our website, kcrw.com slash GLA. Introducing the KCRW Donation Car, designed to be recycled. This first-of-its-kind vehicle will save you time, space, and hassle by disappearing. Enjoy the luxury and comfort of turning your underused car into a donation worth hundreds, even thousands of dollars. The KCRW Donation Car, already in your garage, driveway, or on cinder blocks outside your house. Act now at kcrw.com cars. Onward with more Greater L.A. on KCRW. I'm Steve Chiotakis. Weddings, as you know, $14 or otherwise, are a big deal on this day of love. But February is also the busiest month of the year for the lingerie business, when Americans spend nearly $2 billion on all that intimate apparel. 
Randy Schreier is a second-generation lingerie maker at a company called Trashy Lingerie. Maybe you've seen it. The bright pink store on the corner of La Cienega and Oakwood with its rotating window of buxom mannequins. It's been there for decades. And he joins us right now. Hi, Randy. Good afternoon. How are you? Good. I'm happy Valentine's Day, by the way. Happy Valentine's Day to you as well. Trashy Lingerie has been around since 1973. So tell us a little bit about how your parents came up with the name and, and how it began. I mean, it was a it was a shoe company at first, right? Yeah. So originally we were a shoe store and uh, my dad started selling stockings to go with the high-heeled slutty sandals. And the girls uh, loved the stockings, but there was nowhere really to find garter belts that match because we used to dye the stockings in about 30 different colors. So we started uh, dyeing the garter belts to match the stockings, and then my dad asked them, the people that we got them from, to make them a little bit better for laces, and they said no, so we just started making all of our own stuff. What is it like, Randy, growing up making costumes? You apparently have done that for the likes of Madonna and Playboy bunnies as well. Is, is there a costume or an outfit that you design that folks will maybe remember? Uh, probably the one that comes to mind that's, Probably the most iconic, there's two. Uh, the Fembots, the baby ball from the Fembots from Austin Powers. Oh, yeah. That's ours. And then um, it's actually kind of funny. The Legally Blonde, when she goes to the party as a, as a bunny, and <laughs> the same concept was also done as Bridget Jones' Diary, which was like released like a few months afterwards, but it was the same kind of concept. So both of those were ours. Those had come off the top of my head. And and Madonna with her lingerie on the outside of her other clothing? Yeah, we did the bullet bras, bullet corsets for the Blonde Ambition Tour. Uh, Cindy Lauper was actually kind of the first one to really start wearing lingerie out, and we did a lot of stuff for her as well. Does Madonna or Cindy Lauper, do they come to the store for a fitting? Do you go to them? I mean, I assume you have to take measurements and, and get their input on everything, right? Yeah, so basically, you know, depending on who it is, some people do come into the store and we fit them. And then, um, and then some people have stylists or customers. They go in and they grab stuff, and then they kind of we they're like the the middle person, and then we kind of figure things out that way. So we kind of do it a couple of different ways. Who's your average customer? Do, do you have people obviously who come in off the street? What what kinds of things are your best sellers? Well, it's interesting is that I was actually thinking about this the other day is that. We're kind of like on our, I think it's like our sixth generation of customers because um, we've been here for so long, which is kind of wild when you think about it. But, you know, we've had, you know, 80-some-odd-year-old women, and we have now like 14, 15-year-old girls that like last Halloween, their moms were bringing them in to get costumes. Is it just women? Do men do this? To, do, do men choose things for their women friends? Most of our men men business will probably be like the day of or the day before because guys like to procrastinate. So yeah, that's I mean that's there's a lot. I mean that's what you know guys are. Generally, what I tell people is that if it's a guy, I said buy something that you want to see her in, and then women, you know, buy what you're going to be comfortable in. And so that way, it's you know we just tell the women, look, you only have to wear it for a few minutes to make them happy, and and it usually works out pretty well. Well, and, and yeah, not just not just women and men, but but also obviously there are non-binary, um, queer folk who who also want lingerie or or want some kind of costuming. How does do you have the apparel for them as well? 
if we can't fit them off the rack, then we can make it for them. And it generally takes anywhere from a week to 10 days, just depending on how busy we are. That's obviously more and more popular these days, right, than, than it has been in the past, for sure. I would say it's not necessarily per se more popular. It's just more people are more comfortable in going out and asking for it. So back in the way, way, way long time ago, you would have a guy coming in and, and they would say, we'd ask them, well, what size is your lady? And they would say, <clears throat> she's about my size. So it kind of clued us in what was going on, but we didn't necessarily say it. Now people come in and they say it's for me. You know, they're not ashamed or uh, embarrassed or, you know, in intimidated. So there's not so much, uh, so many barriers, so to speak. Yeah, not as much judgment for sure. Correct. How have you sort of made it this long? I mean, with so many fashion trends that, that have changed over the years, I mean, do you, do you just keep up with it? I mean, how do you, is there, is there like a support group or, you know, convention that you go, I mean, how does it all work? Well, my feeling is, is that if you're talking about lingerie and costumes, um, especially most of our quote unquote, if you want to call it competition is companies that, you know, open up three, four, five, six hundred stores, you know, either nationally or globally. And what happens is, is that we create that much um, environment to have produced that much product. By the time, um, if something changes and tastes change, you get stuck with a bunch of inventory, so you have to dump it. So a lot of these companies are either have gone out of business or, or go out of business for us. We can come up with a new idea in the morning and have a finished product by the end of the day. So we are very nimble, and we can. And plus, we also would create a lot of fashion as well, you know, trends and lingerie. How do you how do you do that though? I mean, if you can have it by the end of the day, do you have do you have tailors who put all that together for you? I mean, you just pick up the phone and say like, "Hey, this is what we want." No, we're, we've always been a we manufacture everything on the premises ever since the very beginning. So we have designers, and I have seamstresses on the on the site. And so we just sometimes, and our inspiration can come from, you know, a lace, a fabric, um, a goofy idea, whatever it may be. And then we just kind of put, you know, you know, pen the paper and sketch something out and then we start developing it. And then, and sometimes, you know, we can get it done by the end of the day or the next day, just depending on what the item is. Is there anything that you're seeing this year that a lot of folks want for Valentine's Day? You know, it's been kind of a mix and mash. There's been, you know, Schoolgirl, which is, usually, you know, usually always popular. Fetishy stuff's kind of picking back up again. And then just more romantic stuff. And, and girls always like a fuzzy robe, which is either long or short. And it has marabou trim around it that's sheer, which is always a, a good one. I mean, let's face it. We all like a fuzzy robe, right? right. Every girl loves a fuzzy robe. <laughs> Well, I want to, again, wish you happy Valentine's Day. Uh, Randy Schreier of Trashy Lingerie over at La Cienega in Oakwood. Randy, thanks so much for coming on. Pleasure's all mine. You have a happy Valentine's Day. Take care. Love is in the air. Everywhere I look around. Love is in the air. Every sight and every sound. And I don't know if I'm being foolish Don't know if I'm being wise But it's something that I must believe in And it's there when I look in your eyes 
Still ahead on GLA, there's Mocha and MoMA, the Getty and the Guggenheim. But how about a museum where love is the art on display right here at home? That's yours on Greater L.A. after this short break. Moving on with Greater L.A. from KCRW, I'm Steve Chitakis. Dress however you want, but know that love is definitely in the air and inside a building near the corner of Melrose and Vermont. A couple of tickets to the Love Museum will run you 68 bucks. I mean, you have to take someone with you, too, right? And that scratch that you spend may just help you understand your relationship with that special someone a little better. doesn't even matter if they're a significant other, a family member, even just a friend. Amy Sweetman is the founder of the Love Museum. She's also a professor in the psychology department over at L.A. City College, which is right there. Hi, Amy. Happy Valentine's Day. Oh, hi. How are you? Wow, you, you do well. such a great job on introducing it. So, so wonderful. <laughs> well, I hope you love it. You see what I did there? Anyway, <laughs> I, I, I have to ask, why, why did you start and why does L.A. need a, a love museum? Well, I love museums, yes, and uh, we had a museum of death over there in Hollywood, and we had a museum of broken relationships in Hollywood, and I went to both of them, and they're both super cool museums, and I was like, but why don't we have a museum of love if we have these two museums? And so um, I was kind of driving by this empty building on my way to work one day and I just thought to myself you've always wanted to open a museum I like to create things we got some good feedback in the beginning but then uh, we had the pandemic so we had to you know tread water during the pandemic but um, I'm glad that I kept it open because you know LA seems to embrace it is this is this a love museum or is this like a, a love museum? You know, like physical sexual stuff, rated rated R stuff. So it's G rated, and um, you just play games together. Now there are probably about three or four sexual games, but they're like clean. They're like one is sex trivia, where you're playing Connect Four while you're playing sex trivia, and you're kind of like learning things, like maybe you don't know and. Um, and we have one uh, that's called Draw Your Orgasm, and it's just funny, you know, it's like, it's. I try to open up ways for people to talk about things, but not be, like, intrusive at all, just kind of fun, like, playful, and if the conversation tends to take a turn from there, then it took a turn. If it doesn't, then we just had fun together. So you probably wouldn't take the little ones to, to draw your orgasm, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. So yeah. we don't allow children, actually. <laughs> it's because I feel like um, couples, you know, even with children, we love our children so much. I love children. Um, but the couples need time for them. And by them taking time for themselves, it's going to strengthen their marriage, which is going to help the kids. So it's, it's okay to get a babysitter for a night or two. So maybe not rated G, maybe more rated PG or PG-13? Yeah, yeah, I would say PG-13 because it's just, you know, kind of educational fun. Um, there's one game that's kind of funny. Uh, you have to kind of do kind of metaphors. So it says uh, sex is like Chinese food, and then you have to try to figure out why it's like Chinese food. So we took like all these actors who had made these quotes about sex and 
like sex is like money and then they would finish the sentence with why they're saying it's by money but you're doing it and then after you're finished you can turn it over and you see what the celebrities kind of said i don't know if that makes sense if i'm explaining it so i don't know could i put you on the spot how would you say sex is like money um uh uh I have very little of it. No. Um, <laughs> wow. Um, it's hard. No. <laughs> it really is. Or not hard. hard. <laughs> oh, oh, the places we can go, Amy, with this. My God. Yes, right? But I mean, it, it also sounds to me like there's some science involved in this. Like you're trying to learn about your partner, right? You're trying to figure things out and communicate uh-huh. and all of that, bring bring that other person closer to you, but also maybe learn about, you know, why people are the way they are or how they think and things like that. Maybe do a little research. Oh, yeah. We have a little bit of science in there. Um, I'm always amazed that what a lot of people find interesting is um, actually a bit of neuroscience. So we have two museums side by side. One is the Love Museum, and then we have the dark side of love, which is called Crimes of Passion right next door. And what everybody always tells me is so interesting about the science in that is that we talk about emotional hijacking and that the research shows that it takes 18 minutes once you've kind of lost your emotional control to calm down. And I think if you were to ask me, Amy, if you could tell us anything about neuroscience and love, what would you tell us? I would say that fact right there. I think just by teaching people like, hey, when someone gets upset, it's much better to just give them their space to calm down. What do you, what do you think the state of love is in, in the year 2023? You know, with, with, with the pandemic easing, hopefully, but after being th- and, and having gone through all of that, how are we now at, at love? Well, personally, I think the brain is wired for love. Um, Helen Fisher says that love is like located in the portion of the brain that's more like hunger. Love is a hunger that we need, that we need love so much. But I think that the pandemic has kind of eroded away a lot of our social skills, a lot of our reaching out to others that I feel like we've become more, you know, trapped inside. And I think it's difficult to meet people. We've faded that ability a little bit, but I I have faith that it's all going to keep coming back. Um, I will tell you that I would say 65% of the couples that come into the museum have met online. And how do you, and that metric you know because what you ask folks when they when they come to the museum? Yeah. So the first question that we ask is we ask them. Um, so how did you meet? Having having all the information, Amy, that you have, and what you've seen over there, and the people you've interacted with at at the museum. If somebody's listening to this right now on Valentine's Day, and love is not a part of their life, at least with a significant other, a partner. What advice would you have for them? I would tell them that when you go talk to people, that most people, they just want someone who gets them. So instead of focusing on yourself and like, oh, what are they thinking of me? I would tell them, just go out and do things that you love. And then when you interact with people that are doing things that you actually love, just try to make them feel great. That's all that it comes down to is 
making another person feel great and doing things that you like to do together. And I think that's what makes a good relationship. I'm writing all this down, by the way, Amy. Okay. <laughs> Amy's, Amy Sweetman, the founder of the Love <laughs> Museum in Hollywood, also a professor in the psychology department over at L.A. City College. Amy, happy Valentine's Day to you. Thank you so much for coming on and talking to us. Okay, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it, and I love your voice. Ooh, that's going to do it for us today. Hope you loved the episode. Tomorrow, lead smelter in the city of industries polluting the neighborhood. Why do the most pollution-riddled plants wind up in neighborhoods with the most vulnerable and marginalized people? Why not a smelter plant in Beverly Hills or Malibu? That's tomorrow on this program. Share your thoughts with us. Maybe even share a story. Grab the podcast anytime at kcrw.com slash GLA or get the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Juliana Mayo, Nihar Patel, Sonia Geis, Phil Richards, Michael Stark, Amy Ta, Carlos Ramirez, Mike Vogel, and Christian Bordal all helped assemble this evening's episode. I'm Steve Chiatakis. Thank you for your ear and, of course, your love. Have a great night. <laughs>